Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning. And today my guest is Dr. Ron Stalbo, who is an osteopath in Sydney, Australia. He's also an Alexander Technique teacher. And we're going to talk today about those two fields that he uh, is trained in and perhaps a bit about how they could complement each other, what some of the differences are, and that sort of that sort of thing. Um, I hope you don't mind my calling you Rob. <laughs> is that okay? Yes, uh, Rob is fine. That's Rob, right. Um, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. And uh, could you begin by giving our listeners, let's start with the Alexander Technique, a very short description or definition of the technique? Sure. Well, I see Alexander Technique uh, as teaching people a, a method for moving with the most coordination and the least strain on their bodies. Yeah, that sounds good. And um, osteopathy um, is, is a slightly more comp- complicated question because in America, osteopaths are generally more or less like MDs. But the kind of osteopath you are is, is a bit different. And could you just say a bit about what what osteopaths like you uh, do? Well, sure. Well, I mean, the first point to make there is that is that we are not medical doctors, mm-hmm. even though we can go by the title of doctor um, mm-hmm. in in all our correspondence, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but so in that sense, uh, the kind of osteopathy I am is very much just a manual therapist in a way, and so so osteopathy is seen as a a form of manual healthcare that. Um, aims to improve one's connective tissue structure and how we move. And it's really based on a set of principles, and the main one being that all the systems of the body are interrelated and act as a concerted unit. Right. Now, that last uh, sentence of yours, I suppose we could uh, attach to the Alexander technique as well. Well, this is the thing, is that um, I think we, uh, you often find... Uh, modalities that aim for the same goal, but clearly the differences are in the application and uh, and methodology that they use. And and I think that is what sets apart some rather fundamental differences between osteopathy and and Alexander technique. So if someone comes to uh, you as a, a uh, won't even label them patient or student yet, but comes for, for help. Um, are you primarily going to function as an osteopath or are you, might you be for an hour or so an Alexander teacher? Well, that's a good question. And, um, and I think there are a few things there. Firstly, people don't just come to you for help in a general way. They usually already come to you for your osteopathy skills or your Alexander technique. So they have usually pre-selected uh, the modality that they, that they want you to use. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the other thing is that I, I, I don't sort of think of myself as being first and foremost one nor the other. Um, I, I try as best I can to integrate these things because in my mind, they are part of a bigger system they operate um 
together. But if somebody comes to me, for example, for Alexander Technique, mm-hmm. well, then that's what I will do. Mm-hmm. Okay, it will be it will be just Alexander Technique because um, mainly because that's what they've um, you know pre-selected. But also, um, you know, I, I love teaching in that way, and I think it's ultimately uh, an amazing skill to to learn and, and one of the best things you can give someone is like a gift to give them that skill mm-hmm. so but you in that ca- in that case uh, you might uh, give them some verbal instruction some very light hands-on guidance that sort of thing but no, you if they if they, co- if they come to me for Alexander technique mm-hmm. then it'll be the the modality of Alexander technique lessons in the in the more standardized way that right you know, people give give lessons. Now, if they should then say, uh, you know, what is look, it's it's a tricky one. If if whilst doing Alexander technique, I feel that they would benefit from some structural work, and by that I'm talking a more direct osteopathic approach, then I might suggest it. But I think that on the whole, it happens more the other way around. That somebody comes to see me for osteopathy, and it is within the framework of osteopathy that I think that they would be much better off um, uh, as an adjunct or even as a substitute um, doing some Alexander, having some Alexander lessons. Mm-hmm. But I can elucidate on that much more clearly in the way that I um, categorize people um, into which modality I think that they would best be suited to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, this is what I think I struggled with for a long time because of the fact that the main difference between the two is that osteopathy is a direct technique. Um, it is, um, you know, it is a contacting uh, barriers and restrictions in people's connective tissue, and it's trying to move through those barriers. And it's that's using uh, uh, way more force, although osteopathy can be extremely gentle, um, than say an, a pair of Alexander hands would be using, which are very much listening, guiding hands. Right. Um, but the model that I use, seeing as we both have both um, both techniques, are trying to help the person to move better in a very broad way of of, of uh, of conceptualizing it, but um, I see movement as having three different components to it. Um, the first is mobility, or um, the sort of range of the actual range of joint motion that you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one is strength. So for any given movement, you require a certain amount of strength to execute those movements and in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And the last part is, um, you know motor control which is a flashy way of saying uh coordination how do you how do you um coordinate all of the moving parts that relate to that movement and so for me osteopathy is really good at coming in at at the first point at mobility they're really good at finding mobility restrictions in the body be they in the muscle system the visceral system the fascial system Mm-hmm. the vascular system so it's really good at clearing those restrictions in a, in a direct way and Alexander technique is uh, the technique par excellence for for treating the motor control element to it for for really thinking about the way in which uh, our brain is setting up the movement pre-setting the tension etc mm-hmm. and making sure that the signal to those muscles is 
um, as efficient as possible and not tainted by excessive tension. So with and the strength element I'll talk about sort of separately, mm-hmm. but within this you know way of categorizing movement into three different um, uh, um, categories, I'm able to decide when a person comes to see me for osteopathy, for example, what in their display of movement, which particular category do I think they need to focus on first? Mm-hmm. And this comes to kind of your assessment in osteopathy that you don't really do in Alexander technique, I guess, but mm-hmm. is uh, assessing how somebody moves and looking for restrictions in their movement and, um, and, and deciding that if they are just incredibly stiff and can't really attain some what I call archetypal postures, these, these, uh, these postures that we've used for thousands of years, you know, sitting, kneeling, crouching, squatting, um, these, posi- these rest positions, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if they can't conform to those positions well because they are so very restricted, then I might think that osteopathy and clearing some of those restrictions first might be um, a better approach. And let's take uh, the different idea that somebody comes in and they are very, very floppy, very kind of loose, low blood pressure, hypermobile. They can sit in all of those postures that I talked about, but they don't move in a very coordinated fashion. Um, Mm -hmm. They they can't sort of get the things that the bits to connect together. And in that sense, then, I would think that uh, using motor control or Alexander technique to teach them a better awareness of what they're doing, a better awareness of where their uh, parts are in space, um, then I would move them more towards Alexander lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I think that you can always do these things together. So in reality, in my osteopathy um, consultations, probably the very first thing that I do when I put my hands on is Alexander hands. I'm really listening to see is there are they uh, collapsing or are they not collapsing? Where are they collapsing and when and how does their structure uh, illustrate where they have been collapsing over over time? There's certain hinges in the uh, in the neck area or in the middle back area or the low back area that that show that these creases have. Uh, have been brought about by abnormal movement patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, so I start with that kind of listening hands, and I probably end every osteopathy session with um, with an ability to, with trying to actually get them to come up a little bit more. So if I had to sort of broadly say how the two things work, um, I think that osteopathy is playing with the fabric of our structures. Mm-hmm and provides a sort of potential space that the person can use. But it's Alexander Technique that alters the very signal for ensuring that you take up that space. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're just kind of creating potential space, but then the person just obviously reenacts the same movements that they always have done. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so this is how I am able, I guess, to operate without conflict in my own mind right. I, 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 re- I realize the two things are are in some sense at odds with one another mm-hmm. being both direct and indirect approaches mm-hmm. but I have a, this model helps me to navigate uh, through those differences mm-hmm. and actually provide somebody with 
the tools to to hit those three elements to motion. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the then the, the third element, which we haven't t- touched on, is, is strength, right? Yeah, and that's right. Um, how so someone might be floppy and not have very much strength and um alexander might be a, a a useful modality to get them out of that floppiness but they still might not have a lot of strength right yeah um i i think that um there are a few things there i mean strength is this kind of catchall term that almost relates broadly to just power but the thing is that that it doesn't really have a vector in it um and um what alexander's technique does obviously is is help to coordinate the timing of things the amount of uh effort required so it's not excessive for the given demand that you you know the given movement that you want to enact and so um and so strength i think comes in a much more um subtle way with Alexander technique where it sort of just ensures that you have the right amount of strength for a given for a given movement um, there's another aspect of osteopathy uh, that relates to strength and that is that if you're if you are restricted in range so for example you um, are not able to squat easily you, you mm-hmm. lack sort of range in your hips right you can't you can't be strong in a range of motion that you don't have Mm-hmm. If you can't get into that position, then you can't display any strength in it. So one of the things for removing restrictions in people's hips or shoulders or backs is that they're then able to um, produce a larger range of motion within which they can get stronger in that position. So mm-hmm. there is a, a natural, again, potential space gives gives the potential for you to strengthen up in in that area um i'm sure a lot of osteopaths do give more classic strength exercises and all these uh buzzwords like strengthening your core and everything mm-hmm. but um i've always um riled against that a little bit <laughs> because um it always feels somewhat uh reductionist you know that right. one decides we're going to try and strengthen this part of you or that part of you and uh, it always um, doesn't really respect the um the nature in which we're we're so connected and strength should really be distributed across your whole structure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's it, to me it's it's very interesting what you've just said about strength because it in a way it seems like the strength question when it comes up illustrates um perhaps a, a, both a difference and a similarity of alexander and osteopathy in that i think an alexander teacher might say well the, per, the one reason why a person doesn't have a lot of strength is that they can't move very easily so they don't do a lot of moving and um it's easier just to sit and watch tv for them and if they can if they can get a little better guidance of their system, they'll be in less discomfort. They'll do things and build up strength uh, organically. And what you said is is fascinating because you're, you're saying, well, one reason they may not have strength is they can't even get to the place to, as you said, demonstrate or um, manifest the strength. They don't have, uh, uh, for example, hip flexibility, 
that can take them in certain places where where strength might be come to bear. Exactly, and I, and I and and one of the things that it became really apparent to me is that when training for Alexander Technique, you you talk to people about how they've molded into the shapes that they are now, that their movement patterns have. Um, have yeah molded their connective tissues into a certain level of stiffness you know after pulling down excessively for each mm-hmm. of their movements mm-hmm. and we can understand that it's good for people to to understand that this this isn't something that happened just overnight this is something that built up over a number of years of um, of using themselves in a in a less than efficient manner mm-hmm. but what i what i began to realize is that after the years of doing this you need to have an appreciation for just how tough connective tissue really is. Um, and it's, um, it's really akin to, to leather. It's, it's when it loses its extensibility mm-hmm. and the body adapts and lays down these, um, these um, um, cells that are more fibrous in nature, much, much stiffer. Mm-hmm. Um, it, in the end, my understanding is that it's the connective tissue that actually ends up um, modeling the movement that you're able to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in the beginning, of course, because infants all start with this beautiful range and beautiful execution of movements. And, and of course, you know, as Alexander Technique teaches, we, we wonder at just how beautifully coordinated they are. Now that goes, so all the signals were, were pretty much perfect in, in, in those early days. But after a while, when those hips and shoulders and back start to stiffen, uh, they become the limiting factor, not not just a faulty signal or that you've built up a poor habit of um, of presetting too much tension for a movement. But actually, the structure itself, the fabric of your body becomes the limiting factor. And and this is true even and it's funny for me to say it, but I mean, I wanted to believe that Alexander Technique, um, and this is a limitation in my mind, I wanted to believe that that after, say, 10, 20 years of Alexander Technique, you would uh, uh, ask people to to do to sit in some of these postures, kneeling postures, sitting cross-legged, sitting with your legs out straight, um, crouching, squatting, movements, positions we've been using for thousands of years. And you may still find that even teachers who use themselves very, very well for standing, sitting, everyday movements, if you then ask them to approach these end range positions, they still don't have the connective tissue extensibility for it. Right. And so that gave right. me an appreciation for just how tough connective tissue is and, um, and why I, I thought about that model for movement and why I categorize people into perhaps we should be creating space first or alongside Alexander Technique in order to just allow them to get into that range. Right. And I, I can say from my own experience that uh, I found what you said to be very true. I've been teaching for, oh, I guess, over 30, 35 years now. And I still have restrictions that don't seem like they're such a great thing to have. But I've been helped enormously by manual work. It hasn't happened to be osteopathy. and In my case, it was a, 
a version of physical therapy that made a gigantic uh, difference to me um, and and in a sense address those kind of structural issues that you talked about um, by very targeted exercises uh, mm. in my case. And so I, I, I was kind of, I mean, I guess, I guess what you provide is, is both in the same office. So it, it, it's kind of more convenient, right? Uh, for somebody, it, it, they, <laughs> they don't have to. I, I would, you know, I, I would agree with you in principle uh-huh. um, that it, that it's, and, and, and it certainly satisfied my own curiosity within the field of, of, movement i suppose which includes osteopathy and includes alexander technique right um but um i just lost my point you you were mentioning um uh, physical therapy in 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 my case it oh was, yes sorry it was a yeah, type so, of physical so I do therapy have, yeah thank you yeah, yeah i do have both of these um modalities in the one place mm-hmm. but i think what's always important is this is having to bridge the gap in the understanding of the patient or right. the client. It doesn't matter because, you know, um, we may think we know what the best thing for that person is, but there can be a real barrier to them enacting your advice or, or understanding your advice if they have very different expectations, for example, of what you're going to do in a session mm-hmm. or if they have very limited understanding of something that seems very obvious to us like for example that the body works as a as a whole unit right so um so when trying to think of those uh, of a definition for alexander and econosteopathy it's you always feel like you're selling both of them short because there's no short answer for it uh and and the subtleties of each approach uh you know there are, are many but um so i tend to have a few kind of set things that help people to think about themselves in a uh, in a more uh, holistic way, mm-hmm. and one of them is when it comes to connective tissue. I, I sort of talk about elastic bands mm-hmm. that you know you can have a, a thin elastic band and it's very easy to deform that elastic band, and you can have a very stiff one that's cold, mm-hmm. and it's intrinsically stiffer. The fabric of it is intrinsically stiffer. So you give them an an, an understanding of of how connective tissue works and how it adapts. Mm-hmm. But the main one that I use is this notion that certain structures like a, a tent or a football, that when you look at a tent and it's uh, deformed or it's all floppy, you immediately know what needs to happen to that tent to get it to function at its best. It needs to be kind of held apart to Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. spread that tension across its structure in the same way as a deflated football needs to be pumped up to its spherical shape. And when you do that, the ball is able to bounce and roll easily Mm -hmm. and the tent is able to withstand a lot of structure. And and I basically say that our structures are almost identical to tents in the sense that we have... Uh, bones for these internal rods of the tent and we have elastic connective tissues that are the same as the fabric of the tent mm-hmm. and um, and once people get this idea that actually you want to be held apart it gets people out of that notion that they need to to strengthen their core or uh, you know 
build up some strength in the fabric of their body much more that they need to distribute the strain across all of their structure so no single structure bears an excessive amount of load or strain which tends to make it fail mm-hmm. so so i'm trying i'm right. trying to get into people's head the the idea that we move as a whole unit uh, functionally and away from dissecting tissues into this muscle or that muscle mm-hmm. um, and and i really feel that actually in the field of osteopathy it's all changing, which is why defining it's quite difficult because, you know, there's the field just gets bigger and bigger. We, we know a great deal more about pain, the mechanisms of pain, the neuroscience of pain. And so a lot of osteopaths now are incorporating this thing as everyone comes to osteopaths in pain. They need to understand that signal and how does it relate to people's cultural beliefs their own uh, pain levels their understanding of what might happen if they're in pain what what does it mean does it mean their tissues are being damaged so it, osteopathy is actually a slightly more uh, adaptive treatment modality because it's now incorporating all of the advances in in uh, neuromuscular uh, movement myofascial work pain medicine and my particular interest actually also is in um, a visceral function and how our organs and our emotions mm-hmm. uh, tie in at the cortex level to, uh, you know, to the level of tone that somebody presents to you even as an Alexander lesson or even as an osteopath. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's, um, that's a lot of food for thought. It's... Um we're we're getting uh, towards the end of our time. Is there anything you'd like to add before we come to a close? Um, not really. I um, I I my own sort of well, just to say that um, that whenever one defines oneself as something, it's it's a limiting thing. Right. I, I feel I feel that I have a really broad interest <laughs> in a number of different arenas and and. And that ha- that evolves the more you're in it and the more people that you see. Mm-hmm. So in terms of this idea of categorizing the people that come to see me into which modality to use, I, I also feel very clearly that, that there are some people who, for whom a, a more cognitive emotional approach is, is uh, warranted. And for some people, um, certain traumas, whether they are physical or emotional, sexual, all of these um, different things and how they affect the cortex, there are different modalities that people can use if you feel that that is the strongest component to their presentation. So I have tried to kind of have enough skills and not necessarily, and I can outsource for these too, but in order to say on the outset, look, I, I think that this is the biggest element to your presentation. And hopefully if they trust you, and that is an essential component <laughs> of, right, uh, right. of someone improving, they must like you and they must trust you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it must, you know, they must have some kind of uh, belief in, in, your, in your, your interpretation of it. Um, then I think you've got something that, uh, that I feel you can best help people. Right, and that that what you just said, I believe, is I'm sure equally true for Alexander teachers and osteopaths and yes, of pr- course. pretty much anybody who who 
works directly with with people uh, using their hands and and uh, their thinking. Yeah. Well, because you can't you can't separate out these these fields in somebody's uh, self, I suppose, and that's why that's why Alexander was so clever. His use of that word really inc- really incorporates the psychophysical components of somebody's uh, being. Right? It's it's right. It, it is yeah. everything all rolled in. Absolutely. But no, and I really appreciate you um, contacting me and um, showing an interest in um, in uh, a te- a t- Alexander Teacher using different modalities. So thank you. Oh well, it's it's been a great pleasure talking to you. Um, my my guest today has been uh, Dr. Ron Stalbo. Rob R O B. Rob, sorry, Rob Stalbo. <laughs> same, it's the same uh, as you. Right, uh, exactly. Uh, an osteopath in uh, Sydney, Australia, and he's also an Alexander Technique teacher. So, if anything about um, his particular combination of skills uh, intrigues you, and you you live in Sydney, Sydney area, I'll put a link to his website by the interview. I'll put a link to uh, a site that will enable you to find an Alexander teacher anywhere. And is there, uh, Rob, a, a, a sort of a worldwide listing of osteopaths that I could provide a link to? Uh, I think it's per per country, but um, osteopathic.com.au is the one is the one here that gives you a list of, of practitioners and the regions that they work in. Okay, and, and I guess, um, uh, is, as I mentioned earlier, in America, um, um, osteopaths are generally essentially medical doctors. Um, That's right, not so here. Not, not there, not in England either, I know that. So... Um, Okay, well, uh, Rob, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for the opportunity.